Well, ladies and gentlemen, a very, very warm welcome uh, to this public lecture and the LSE European Institute's Perspectives on Europe public lecture series. And our topic today, uh, single market, is uh, is one which goes to, of course, which goes to the very heart of what the European Union is about. Some would say just as much as the single currency, if not more so. Well, you might expect a Brit uh, to say that, uh, but plenty of people across the European Union, and I don't just mean captains of industry, would agree with that. Now, the single market, of course, carries the fingerprints of a Brit, Lord, Lord Cofield, and a Frenchman, Jacques Delors. And how appropriate that a distinguished uh, Frenchman, Michel Barnier, should come to London to talk about its future and Britain's role uh, within the single market. Now, of course, that Frenchman is a European commissioner. So in an important sense, he puts aside his Frenchness and represents the interests of the Union as a whole. But it would be seriously negligent uh, of me not to mention the key role that he has played in French public life, as well as his present role, which is, of course, that of the European Commissioner for Internal Market and Services. Michel Barnier has been France's Minister for Foreign Affairs, its Minister for Agriculture and Fisheries, its Minister for European Affairs, uh, and its Minister of the Environment as well as being a member of the European Parliament and holding senior roles in European centre-right politics, including Vice President of the EPP Group. Now, we're delighted that Mr. Monsieur Barnier should have accepted our invitation to speak uh, at LSE on such a current and lively issue, and we're much looking forward to what he has to say here in London and before the British media, some of which would, of course, love to be able to say that a French commissioner is warning that British access to the single market could be jeopardised if the UK overplays its hand in any future renegotiation. But somehow, I doubt that Mr Barnier will be giving the British media that pleasure, uh, because the integrity and deepening of the single market is an issue in which Her Majesty's Government and the European Commission seem to be at one. Uh, but rather than listen to me, much better, of course, uh, to listen to the man who matters. Mr. Barnier, you are very welcome to the London School of Economics, and we look forward, and Her Majesty's Government uh, looks forward, uh, to hearing what you have to say about the UK in the single market and Britain's future in the single market. Um, and in traditional LSE, warm, hospitable fashion, um, we would like to welcome you with uh, all the enthusiasm which this event deserves. Good afternoon to all of you and also those who follow us online. And first of all, uh, thank you very much, Professor Fraser, uh, for inviting me today, for the kind words. Thank uh, you for reminding us of the long way in my personal bi political background. Just forget one thing. Which, which remain very important for me, and perhaps very unusual for a politician, a European politician or a French politician, because I think I'm the only one uh, to have spent 10 years of life to organize the Winter Olympics. Uh, it was in 92, from 81 to 92, uh, in, in Savoy, the region which I was the president of, and uh, it's uh, very unusual to spend 10 years of his life the Winter Olympics uh, and to be re-elected after. Huh? <laughs> and also it was a good school of uh, tenacity, huh? uh, which is very useful uh, today for me when I 
in charge of financial regulation. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, at this fine seat of learning. The LEC European Institute has long been respected. It's a fine example of how academic and public discussion interact and takes a broad approach to the subject of the European Union. Allowing uh, the often polarized views on this issue here in the UK uh, to be voiced. This is uh, an especially important time to discuss the EU, in particular the single market here in the UK. Last year, ladies and gentlemen, we marked 20 years since the single market was created. Next year, there will be, as you know, European Parliament elections and a change of the European Commission, and a change of the other key post in the European framework. And in the same context, of course, there is here the debate on the UK's place in the EU, a debate that seems to be getting more and more uh, divisive. Single market seems to be the one thing most people in the UK agree is a positive feature of the EU, and for good reason. Uh, it is a beating heart of the European Union. The single market is our common European space where people, you, money, goods, and services can move freely. It stimulates competition and trade. But the single market does not happen by mistake. The same as any good system, it needs rules, it needs rules uh, to make it work. Uh, more on that later. Over the last five years, we mainly focused on recovering from the financial and economic crisis. And if you'd like, as one of our two favorite tables, I think it will be distributed to you. You can just uh, look at what we have done to draw the lessons uh, of the crisis. Uh, 28 new regulations for each actor, each sector, each product. And uh, I've already finished this work of proposals. As you know, the Commission is in charge of proposals and uh, to the people by, well, to decide, the European Parliament on one side and the uh, Council of Ministers on the other side. But I've finished this work uh, and uh, uh, I hope that we can reach the final agreements for some of these regulations within the, the end of this year. Uh, so we are focused uh, and drawing the lessons of the crisis. The priority now is to return to sustainable growth and the single market is the engine to drive that growth. Single market is of massive importance of, for the UK economy. The tune of uh, up to 90, 92 billion pounds a year. Some 3.5 million British jobs are directly linked to the single market. That's around one and every 10 jobs in this country. One in every 10 jobs. And the EU's 
is the UK's most important trading partner by far. The EU provides nearly half of all supplies imported here and buys over 50% of all UK exports. The figure is even higher for small and medium-sized companies. And finally, nearly 70% of their exports go to other EU countries. Your Prime Minister David Cameron gave a rousing speech to the Conservative Party conference a few weeks ago. In it, he was keen to underline that British exports to China, Brazil, India and Russia were all up. That's fantastic news. The fact that British industry and British services are finding their way to customers across the globe is good for the UK economy and good for Europe's economy. But remember that those numbers are climbing from a pretty low base. China only buys around 3% of UK exports. Trade with European partners, on the other hand, makes massive contribution to the UK economy. Eight of the top 10 destinations for UK exports are in the EU. Importantly, British companies know it. They know how important it is for the UK to keep its place at the European Union table. The Confederation of British Industry uh, recently did a survey of its member. Nearly 80%, 80% of firms say they want the UK to stay in the EU. Most businesses feel the positives far outweigh the negatives. In fact, when asked, businesses' main concern was to put an end to gold plating of EU rules in the UK. This is when the British government adds its own rules on top of European rules. A further 39% want to see EU rules apply evenly across all member states. I support both of these positions. The single market can only work if the rules are applied fairly and applied consistently right across the EU. And you have my word, I will continue to take action when that is not the case. I will continue to take action. Take the, the example of the services sector. The UK has long argued the single market for services has to be deepened. You are one of the key promoters of doing away with protectionism. Free Europe's entrepreneurs to expand and grow especially in the digital age. In this respect, the UK and the European Commission are very much singing from the same hidden sheet. But while we have the same objective, we might not always agree on the means to get there. We take the approach countries themselves should look at the rules that might be a barrier to free movement. This process of having experts from one EU country review the rules and procedures in another is proving very effective. It puts pressure on authorities to take a long, hard look at themselves. It nudges them to ask, are the rules they have in place really necessary? 
really proportionate, really helping Europe's businesses and working people. We are already starting to see the results of this approach. Spain, for instance, has opened many company forms for regulated professionals. Hungary has got rid of legal form of shareholding requirements for nearly all professionals. Italy has made it possible, has made it possible for professionals to form companies. This is the way forward, including for the UK, which surprisingly, perhaps, has more regulated professions now than nearly any other European member state, except the Czech Republic. Is it the time to Is it time? <laughs> well, it could be the signal that I have to conclude. Huh? <laughs> but please, give me a few minutes more <laughs> before closing right. Huh? Uh, no, it was a clever, clever signal. Right. Huh? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the UK's influence is also essential in pushing for a more complete digital single market. It will be the main subject of the upcoming European Council in a few days. We all know that uh, there is a significant potential in providing goods and services online. Research shows that e-commerce could account for up to 20% of employment and growth in the next five years. But work is needed to create a genuine single market in this era. We need to accelerate the rollout of high-speed communication infrastructure, make payment services in the EU more efficient and more secure, and move e-government forward. On this last issue alone, using electronic invoicing for government contracts could save up to 2.3 billion euros per year in the EU. The European Commission has already made a number of proposals to meet these challenges on payment service, services, on modernized framework for online music licensing, and a wide-ranging e-commerce action plan. I count on the support of the UK in making sure that the legal proposals are adopted and the e-commerce action plan is fully implemented by the end of this European parliamentary term. There should be no doubt about my commitment to the single market, no doubt about the commitment of all of my colleagues in the European Commission to making sure that the single market supports growth, indeed drives growth. Too much EU red tape is a recurring concern also. But since 2007, we have cut the administrative burden on SMEs across the EU by 25%. The Commission announced a few days ago a program of simplifying and even withdrawing EU rules and regulations, which is called REFIT, to make life easier for businesses and citizens and drive economic growth. We have helped cut the costs of starting a business. We introduced an SME test as part of our assessments of the impact of e-policies and launched tools to help small businesses 
like venture capital funds and entrepreneurship funds, and also to facilitate what is very important for me, the social entrepreneurship. But we are not complacent. Of course, there is still more work to do. Uh, one more point, if I may. The single market is not, in my view, not just an economic project. It affects people in their daily lives. The student from Saint-Cyr and Erasmus in Salamanca, the manufacturer in Manchester finding suppliers in Maastricht, the lawyer from Ljubljana working with a law firm here in London, the British banker financing a startup in France, why not? And where we have, and where we have people, we can't just talk economics. We have to take the social into account too. I know that some in the UK would like competence over social and employment law to be given back to the member states. I know there has been constant resistance to laws like the Working Time Directive. But, ladies and gentlemen, social rights and the free markets are two sides of the same coin. You say you want a single market. You want people to be able to move freely so that British retirees, pensioners can have a warm retirement, for instance, on the costas. And Latin young people can start Britain's order. You want to deepen the single market for services. Well, if you want these things, then some minimum social and employment laws have to be in place to avoid, simply to avoid, unfair competition and social dumping. Another challenge that is often put to me from the UK is what we call opt-outs. I often read that the UK would like to use the emergency break procedure more to prevent you from having to accept regulations you do not support, particularly in financial services. But you have to understand and I have to explain to say what I think. There is no such thing as a single market and a separate financial services market. It cannot be praised apart. Why is this in? Because to opt out of rules and financial services would be to open Pandora box. Every member state has its own priority, not only you, its own areas of particular interest. If each of them was to put on the emergency break, we could end up with a situation where Germany is concerned by legislation on carbon emissions, France is committed to the common agriculture policy, Italy fails to open its profession up to competition, Poland decides that its loss-making uh, shipyards should continue to get state support indefinitely, I am sure you get the picture. The UK is not a special case in wanting to protect its golden goals. But neither is in Europe interest for the City of London to lose its place as one of the world's top financial centers. And it's not our intention. Of the hundreds of pages of rules, that have been written, rewritten over the last four years, 
There is only one, only one on which the UK has ultimately been outvoted, and that was on bankers' bonuses. I'm not sure it's the best uh, example, but it is only one. Uh, the fact we usually manage to find a compromise is not only a signal of the UK's skill in negotiating, but also of the general desire among the other member states and the Commission, and if I may, as well as the European Parliament, to meet London expectations is an area that is so important to it. So, if you look at this uh, uh, agenda of financial regulation, except one case, the case I mentioned, and banker bonuses, uh, for all these uh, regulations, UK has been on board. And it was not by chance. It was my choice to work with you and to, to, to find on each of these regulations a dynamic compromise uh, with UK and the interest of the financial services and the financial industry uh, with these new regulations. Uh, another future challenge we have to face is the balance to be struck between the euro area and the other member states of the European family. The shared responsibilities and cross-border links within the euro uh, zone and require specific measures to make the single currency work. Eurozone members have deepened ties between the economic and budgetary policies through substantial new legislation and governance procedures. They have also decided to create a banking union, an ambitious but vital project, and one that I have confidence will be completed in the coming months. Once more, if you look at this table, uh, just for you to understand, these 28 regulations, when you put them together, are the single rule book for the 28 member states of the single market. Only one single rule book. But because in the, the Eurozone, 18 countries have between them, among them, uh, a special limit because of single currency and a real systemic interdependence between their banks and between their states, and we saw with Greece and some other countries, we have decided, the United States and, and us, to implement this single rule book, the same single rule book, only one single book, in a more integrated, efficient, and federal way in the Eurozone. That is the banking union. I hope it's clear for everybody. Uh, and I hope, once more, that we'll be able to complete this banking union by the second pillar, which is the resolution uh, mechanism for the bank, we obliged to pay for the bank where they are their first difficulties. These measures are what is needed to put the euro on a permanently solid footing. And the strong eurozone will help the single market as a whole. The banking union will benefit euro ins and euro outs alike. At the same time, I do understand concerns 
about the impact on non-Eurozone countries, especially the UK with, with its huge financial sector. We have no intention of ma marginalizing those outside the area or leaving them behind, nor do we intend to undermine our single market. The UK and other non-Eurozone countries have obtained the safeguards they need, in particular as regards voting arrangements. And the Commission will continue to play its independent role outside the Euro governance structures. Watching out for the interests of the EU28 and not just the Euro18. Professor, ladies and gentlemen, the UK is entering a decisive period, taking a stance on its relationship with the rest of the EU, starting with the campaigns for the European Parliament election next May and the UK general election the year after that. <coughs> a few months ago, uh, the Finnish Prime Minister, Mr. Katainen, <coughs> said uh, that the EU without Britain would be like fish without ships. I sorely agree. In terms of your focus on competitiveness, your role in shaping the single market, your strong history of free trade and wider global outlook, the UK brings so much to the European family. And the President Barroso, the President of the European Commission, say during the State of the Union speech last month, if you don't like Europe as it is, improve it. Uh, you can't reform a club, it's the truth. You, you cannot reform a club if you have given it your membership card. You could try to live within single market but outside the EU. But if you did, you would suffer the Norwegian syndrome. This means having to contribute to the budget and implement all the agreed rules by the others, without having a real part in uh, making them, and still be stuck with all the rules on financial services. The single market that the UK supports so strongly could become very different without you at the negotiating table. It is, uh, of course, uh, it will be always your choice, uh, but uh, on a personal basis, it is my very strong hope that you will not allow that day to come. And to conclude on a personal note, uh, I don't forget uh, that my very first vote as a young uh, French citizen, I was 22, it was the last century, uh, in uh, 1973, uh, we had at that time uh, a French referendum uh, to allow the UK to join the common market. The French people vote, the people vote for, for a referendum. And uh, at that time, uh, I campaigned during this referendum, and my vote was yes and I never regretted it, it is my final uh, part. Thank you very much.
uh, is where they that's Britain, its people, its government, its establishment, public opinion. Um, I think uh, you touched on a number of sensitive uh, issues. Obviously, you mentioned the City of London, and the Services Banking Union, but you also mentioned services. Um, I just ask you, this famous society, unusual for me, chairs the wrong to put a first question to you. Um, and then we've got a good half hour uh, for questions from the floor. Um, and uh, I'd just like to ask you, what uh, or whom do you regard, do you see as the, the main forces against or obstacles in Europe to the creation of a general uh, single market in services? What's holding it up? Who's holding it If you look at very vital to, to answer in, in the language, but uh, if I sometimes it would be useful for me to be able, not, not only to be able to prove the culture diversity, <laughs> we need to preserve everywhere to speak uh, to French and be applied by the head of cabinet, Roger uh, Gassin. He's not paid to be a president. <laughs> <laughs> services. Uh, about eight or nine percent, maybe eight or nine percent, each sector of the services are, is already covered by European legislations. And the services directives cover about 40 percent of the economic services. 60 percent. Uh, yes. And the other, there's a sector, energy, transport, are, are covered by like some other initiation. So the point is not to uh, launch a new initiation, uh, but just to apply correctly and efficiently uh, the, the, the current initiations. And uh, the main point is, uh, as I said in my speech, uh, for some sector that can be a kind of uh, conservatism or, or uh, traditions and uh, the point is what you call the regulated proficiency. I said that country or less under the most, and I, the highest level of the, 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 the table for the number of the professions which are regulated. So we have to work on a very concrete and pragmatic basis in what I'm doing, uh, sector by sector to implement this directive. Uh, I am doing the same for another topic, which is uh, linked to the, the academy of service, which is the, the professional qualifications. Uh, and uh, recently, the Parliament of the Council have voted, uh, finally, a uh, new directive, a revised directive qualification, professional qualifications to, to improve the mobility between the professions. We have decided to create professional cards, and uh, uh, already we are working with six or seven, seven different professions, nurses and uh, engineers, and uh, I don't know who are the first candidates that we do that, Engineers. And we are going to create a, a professional cards to, to improve the, the, the mobility of the different professions. So, uh, 
point est juste d'éviter euh, de faire des... Et je, je peux donner mon accord avec l'état d'esprit de David Cameron, d'éviter d'avoir des, des législations en pleine théorique. Le point est juste et que, comment dirais-je, vous avez de vous les châtis qui tournent à Bruxelles. Okay. And uh, so, 
please indicate if you'd like to ask a question. Um, and uh, wait for the road, we might to talk for you, to you, say who you are, say what your affiliation is. Please keep it short and sweet. Please don't try to smuggle a second question in under um, the first. Um, and we'll take um, classes of two or three sets, as I say. Please keep it short and sweet. Who would like to kick off the uh, questions? We've got about 25 minutes. Yes, the gentleman at the blue top. Yeah, this is not a... Okay, just wait for the, for the mic and then speak straight into the mic. I'll be as close to the mouth as possible. They're very simple and straightforward. Can you change the music, okay? My name is Sister Hash. I'm 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 Sister uh, Norwegian syndrome, uh, you mentioned. I can't understand why if the United Kingdom withdraws from the uh, EU uh, as a member and carries on paying the, uh, all the financial fees and then still abide by the financial regulation. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure whether I understood your question. Moi, je ne veux pas me situer, franchement, je ne suis qu'un responsable, je ne veux pas me situer dans l'hypothèse où le Royaume-Uni sortirait et évoquer une manière spéculative ce qui se passerait après. Nous sommes des responsables pour la France, de la consulting point de l'hypothèse de l'UK, tous les chiffres, tous les chiffres que j'ai donnés prouvent que ce n'est ni l'intérêt du Royaume-Uni ni l'intérêt de l'Europe que de tout ce cas. All the figures that I've given you during my speech show that this is neither the interest of the UK nor the interest of the rest of the of the of Europe. Et alors, tout cela, est-ce que tout est parfait Est-ce que rien ne doit être changé Non. Il y a plein de choses qui doivent être changées. Je suis bien placé pour savoir ce qui peut être changé, simplifié, y compris peut-être rétrocédé au niveau national pour tous les effectifs.
Eurozone. So I think reanalyzation is our hope. And in the case of Japan, so we experienced lost two decades, and so it devastated the aspiration of younger generations. And so growth uh, is led by aspiration of younger generations. If you continue this situation, I think so in the next uh, five or ten years, a younger generation will lose uh, their aspiration. And what do you think of that effect? I think that this rate of unemployment for young and also for less young is unacceptable. If you, if you look more precisely at figures, you will find that uh, within the Eurozone, you have a number of countries which are greatly lower. Les 
beginning with some. Um, okay, more questions. Who does? Yes, let's go on this one. Um, Morris, rebounding on the City of London, and, and you should probably said it, um, I believe it's the number one financial centre in the world, so it's certainly worth preserving in Europe. How does one ensure that with European regulation, one doesn't weaken London as a financial centre and, and create a non-level playing field? Uh, between London, New York, Hong Kong, and many others. Uh, when, when I uh, did my first visit to Kushner Road outside of Brussels, it was for, for only 10 days uh, after I took my job in March 2010. At uh, the time, I had already always wanted this article in my, my papers. Uh, your media dubbed me uh, as the most dangerous man <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> uh, I was actually quite flattered. Uh, <laughs> Even though I uh, think that it was a uh, person, it was very true. Uh, but uh, for that time, uh, I've learned to work together and I say uh, it was my choice to, to be uh, clever and tiny compromise uh, with all the other members and especially with yours. Renforcer, ça veut parler dérégler. Strengthening doesn't mean deregulating. La faiblesse des services financiers. Qui, qui nous a exposé à la figure euh, aux États-Unis, à Londres, à, à Dublin, dans quelques autres capitales, c'était le résultat d'une dérégulation généralisée. Pas de des manipulations évidentes dans les index, comme le Manipulations des bonus insensés, plus on se paye de bonus, plus on prend de risques, et ce sont les contribuables qui payent et qui sont cassés. Risque-inducing capitalisation des banques. Tout ça, vous êtes en train de corriger. All this is what we are correcting through our regulations. Ce que je vous dis là, c'est ce qui a été décidé par le G20, par le chef de l'État des 20 puissances les plus importantes du monde. All this, all these things have been decided by the G20, by all the, as I said, from governments of the biggest 20 states in the world. Je sais que face à vous, votre emploi est juste. Ça signifie que je ne fais pas attention aux règles, au bon calibrage des textes. Your point is correct if what you mean is that we should carefully calibrate uh, our texts. So I'm trying to make for each of my texts a triple calibration. The text itself, uh, the cumulative impact of all my texts, and also uh, the text we vote on the redirection in particular with uh, 
This similar provision is adopted by the United States of America. Don't forget that 80% of the financial production in the world now was Atlantic production in the US and the world, 80% today. Thank you. Uh, yes, this question at the front here. <laughs> and then the lady on the edge there in the pink. Richard Brown, European Institute. Um, the EU single market is always in a mix of harmonization and mutual recognition of different regimes. Do you see any general trends across the single market, perhaps particularly in financial services, towards more use of mutual recognition of different regimes, and those of them between different regulations, as a way for harmonization or vice versa? que sur la base de l'acquis communautaire pour le marché unique, nous pouvons travailler euh, sur euh, des reconnaissances mutuelles des systèmes nationaux. D'ailleurs, euh, le contrôle de marché de cabinet qui touche ailleurs, dans les reconnaissances des qualifications professionnelles, on a largement pris en compte les spécificités des régimes de formation, de l'Allemagne ailleurs, pour ne pas remettre en cause ce qui fonctionne The answer is yes. Uh, on the basis of the acquis that is now considerable, we can move forward uh, with mutual recognition. This is actually the way I chose uh, for uh, professional qualifications, where uh, my own proposal is based on mutual recognition. Simplement, dans le même marché intérieur, on doit apporter au consommateur des garanties sur ses qualifications et leur sécurité. En termes de sécurité alimentaire ou de sécurité tout court, quand il s'agit des médecins ou qu'il s'agit de. I simply would in one single moment uh, any system should bring to the consumers guarantees uh, about the level of qualification and about safety. Um, for as long as these guarantees are given, any system is good. Um, I may just go quickly on that. Um, it's all very well done. I, I think it's entirely to be commended the idea of flexibility in national practices, uh, subsidiarity, recognizing the difference in national practices. The problem is that some countries like the United Kingdom have concerns about, say, matters like working hours, which has you know, been very controversial here. They say, well, this is how we want to organize our working, our, our working hours, and on subsidiarity, we should be allowed to do so. The problem is, though, that uh, some countries' national practices don't, don't please other countries. Um, they're accused, for example, Britain is accused at times of social dumping. This is a great a fundamental philosophical divide. Uh, to the British mind, the concept of social dumping doesn't really, doesn't really exist. It is about exploiting, uh, it's about exploiting competitive advantage, or it may nothing have nothing to do, or obviously not on effects of other countries. So what I'm saying is, um, either one can work towards a system of genuine mutual recognition, uh, or perhaps one should be frank and admit there are times we don't much like other people's practices because. We think it's a race to the bottom, or it's social dumping. So, some country, I mean, this is a fundamental philosophical divide between you know, more liberal countries and the countries who are more concerned with the social dimension or who are more protectionist. Would you accept that there is such a divide? Moi, je suis le commissaire du marché unique. Alors, mais c'est un marché traditionnel. J'ai toujours entendu le nom britannique dire que. C'était le premier asset de l'Union, du single market. Hein. 
I've always heard the British government saying that the, uh, the single market is the first asset of Europe. It would be difficult for me to accept the 28 uh, single market. <laughs> so, Professor, il y a une flexibilité. There is a flexibility. Et à un moment donné, on arrive euh, à un point où on va constater des, des concurrents dans le même marché unique entre des systèmes. Et donc là, il faut qu'on résolve, qu'on réduise ces concurrences. There is a flexibility, but there is a point where uh, this flexibility leads to competition between systems in one single market, and this tension is to be resolved. Mr. Cameron, in this service, we have this table. We have in this table 
every 10 years from now to 2050, the 10 biggest uh, countries for the economy in the world. Today, you have four European countries among 28 in the top 10. Uh, UK, Germany, France, and, and, and others. Every 10 years, one of them is uh, <coughs> gets out of the table. And finally, finally in 2050, it's your time, it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened in the G8, there is not a single European country. You see, G8. And the last one. The reason why we need to stay together and to act together in the world as it is today. Alors, so, je vais répondre à la question. La clé, elle n'est pas, je crois, de quitter le monde. The key is not to leave your community. Elle est d'améliorer l'acquis. It is to better the acquis communautaire. De simplifier. Maybe to send back some of the competences to member states. After a deep public debate, not only in the UK, but also simplify current legislations. If you look in the market, you will see that I have proposed legislation to simplify the big problem. Not only problem, but also problem. And we have drastically reduced the contracts for small enterprises to participate in the market in all Europe. And in particular, we have drastically reduced the constraints on SMEs to participate in European public tenders. So the key is not to leave the European Union; it's to simplify the legislation. Is it possible? The key is not to leave the European Union, but to simplify the legislation. And there isn't a treaty or procedure that we should use on a more regular basis. It's a cooperation. This is enhanced cooperation. This is the answer. If we are on the route, we are on the same route. We are on the same route, but we advance at different speeds. We are on the same route. We all remain on the same route, but we don't travel at the same speed. Because we are on a project of the market act, the problem of the I talked about the project in the uh, civil uh, market acts, that is the European patents. For the last 35, 30, 35 years, sorry, uh, the European industry has been waiting for a European patent at a competitive price that matches the uh, US. Cost for European patent is 30,000 euros today. Thanks. Ten times less vigorous. And I proposed the Provincial. I proposed the unitary patent. Two countries continent. Two countries said no. I seized the procedure of cooperation forcée. So I started the enhanced cooperation procedure. So today, 25 countries decided to have a Provincial patent. And today, 25 European countries have decided to have a single patent on themselves. And uh, this single patent will cost 5,000 euros instead of 35. 
Well, um, I think sadly we have to bring these um, to an end. Commissioner Chief, you've worked very, very hard. Okay, splendid. Okay, yes, one last question then. Yes, gentlemen, watch. I can't say what well, now could I have to go to the forum with quite a cut of footballs. I think you are extra time. Okay. Uh Bourbon Walker and I'm from the UK government. Um from UK the, government. From the UK government, yeah. Right. Which department? Uh government office. Government. Is it possible to achieve the this sort of this revised Europe that you talk about? Uh, without treaty change, which would inevitably provoke a number of referendums in different countries. Aujourd'hui, dans le traité, monsieur, il y a cette clause que j'évoquais de la coopération renforcée. Today, in the current treaties, you have this clause of enhanced operations. C'est donc pas une une cercle concentrique. It is not a concentric circle Europe. It's a Europe that allows various countries to have various speeds on a single road. What I think is that we can simplify the existing legislation as Prime Minister Khan wishes on that. I think it's possible. I'm personally, I'm ready to work in that spirit because I think it's not only the interest of the United Kingdom, but it includes the field of financial regulation. For each of the regulations I have presented, most of which are now voted, there are Elimination periods, and if need be, we can revise and simplify. But on this basis, if this is the common basis, the idea is that there will be no need to go further until that will pass, and that is possible in the countries. S'il vous plaît, la direction remercie beaucoup pour votre attention et votre accueil ici à Kiev. N'oubliez jamais ce tableau. Very much, uh, uh, but never forget this thing. If we are alone, each of each of us in each of the corner, in the, the world that we are facing, we <laughs> are